and welcome back to the uh, Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. We're on series two, episode 54, and within this podcast, this daily uh, bite-sized podcast, we try to uh, understand and uh, apply some of the things that we learn from our Come Follow Me study and other uh, aspects of church um, study and gospel study that we have available to us uh, so that we can uh, discuss and share the gospel with each other. Please join us on our Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. Uh, and, you know, I'm so pleased to see some people coming to join us. Uh, and so if that is you, thank you very much. And I hope that you are starting to enjoy the things that are being posted on there. But also, uh, I hope that those are the, who are listening, who are not yet uh, joining us on Facebook, that you will do so, because it'll be great to get some more discussion going between the members of the uh, of the group to uh, uplift and edify one another. Thank you again for those that have emailed. Uh, you know, I'm starting to get Every, every week or so, and I love the email uh, from a listener. Um, and I was, you know, really pleased uh, to receive one this week from someone who really appreciated um, just a couple of my thoughts about uh, some of the things that Isaiah has said. Isaiah, as we know, is a very tricky uh, book to understand. And uh, actually, uh, I was inspired. Uh, I was going to talk about the Ejatath Benson talk uh, called Beware of Pride today. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that till Monday. Uh, and today, there's another section uh, in the Isaiah chapters I want to have a look at because there's a lot of insight that we can get from it. So we are looking in February 17th to February the 23rd, 2nd Nephi 11 to 25, we rejoice in Christ. Uh, and now I'm going to move into the family scripture study uh, section. And I wanted to look at 2nd Nephi 15, 18, uh, yeah, chapter 15, and then beginning from verse 18 through to the end of uh, chapter 15, uh, because... Um, the manual asks a couple of questions, and there's some interesting things that are pointed out in Isaiah here. Um, the question states, can your family think of modern examples of the unrighteous ideas that these verses describe? How can we avoid being deceived by false ideas about good and evil? So we'll dive straight in and look at this, the verses and see how this applies to us. In verses 18 to 19, it says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed, hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Um, this is referring to individuals who stay connected uh, with cords of vanity, I, I love that phrase, uh, to their sins, that you know, are aware of things they need to remove and perhaps they cast off a few of their sins from the carts, but they, they stay connected with um, the, the, the ways that which, which the Lord would not have them uh, stick with. Uh, and yet they still, you know, um, kind of proclaim that they are looking for the Holy One of Israel, for the Saviour to come. Uh, and this can apply to us today, particularly when we are in that cycle of pride and that we, we don't want to recognize or we, you know, just don't take the time to recognize the ways that we need to change because every single person on this earth has those things that they need to change, whether they're big or small through the savior, they can be changed and can be made clean, but they need to rely on him to do so. Um, Brent L. Top, who uh, wrote a book called A Peculiar Treasure, uh, said this, quote, Isaiah condemned those who think they can give up one sin and yet cling tenaciously to others. Woe unto them that draw iniquity the cords of vanity and sin as it were with the cart rope. Occasionally we cut the cords of vanity and let go of a favourite sin, but all too often we only periodically cast off from our cart a sin here and there, rather than just letting go of the cart rope, close quote. And I quite liked uh, the 
imagery that Isaiah gives because it's not an easy image to understand, but actually it does make clear sense now when I kind of think about it. And with that insight from Brother Top, uh, that does add a bit more insight that we just need to drop all, that we can't be dragging this along with us because it will slow us down and impede our progress spiritually. Uh, in 2 Nephi chapter 25, verse 20, it then adds on saying, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And this is where I really think that we start to uh, identify with some things which are in the world today, which are being called good when, you know, they are not the right thing. Um, to President Thomas S. Monson uh, said this in, I think, 2004, quote, uh, constantly before us is the Macafeg, a fisherman's octopus trap of, immortal, of, immortal, of, of immorality. Almost everywhere we turn, there are those who would have us believe that what was once considered immoral is now acceptable. I think of the scripture, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. Such is the Macafeg of immor, immor, immorality. We are reminded in the Book of Mormon that chastity and virtue are precious above all things, close quote. I think that, you know, you just have to look back in the last 10, 15 years and consider some of the changes in society and the world and the way that people are now calling good evil and evil good. And actually, you know, there are some that are quite judgmental about people with uh, beliefs and, um, well, yeah, beliefs about some um, morality questions. Uh, and I think that, that is certainly become more become more fulfilled in the past decade or so that um that people now you know kind of criticize and condemn people who have the views that were had 20 20 years ago and call them bigots and outdated and so on uh, and i think that that is a real challenge that the saints will have to face uh, as we move further into the 21st century and closer to the coming of our savior uh, and, you know, we, we are starting to see the last days really being brought into effect. In 2 Nephi chapters 15, chapter 15, verses 21 to 23, I'm not going to read them, but it goes a bit further on about uh, how, you know, the the, pride, the proud will, you know, have woes uh, placed upon them. But then this is what I really wanted to get to. In verse 25, we see a phrase which is used very often uh, throughout Isaiah, which I don't think we quite understand. In verse 25, it says, therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people. So we know that um, it's talking about the last days and how people call good evil and evil good and darkness light and light darkness and so on. And he's talking about the people who are proud and, and all of these things. It says, and he stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them and the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. Very graphic. But then we get this sentence. For all this has kinder, sorry, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now, his hand being stretched out still is a phrase we see and read often. But I think that we don't quite understand what it actually was intended to mean um, in Isaiah's time. Uh, and we can look at a no why, number 49. Why is the Lord's hand stretched out still to help uh, un us understand this? Uh, it says, quote, Latter-day Saints typically understand the Lord's outstretched hand as a sign of the Lord's mercy toward Israel. Despite his anger, the Lord continues to extend his mercy. Within the ancient Israelites and broader near ancient Near Eastern context, the meaning of this phrase was quite the opposite. John Gee, a Latter-day Saint and a professional Egyptologist, Egyptologist, explained, The English sentence is constructed to say that in spite of the punishments afflicted, the punishments do not satisfy the Lord's anger. 
he continued, In other words, to the contrary, the hand of the Lord was still stretched out. Guy thus concluded, So a stretched out hand, by any careful reading of the English, is a hand administering punishment, or at least threatening or beginning to do so. Close quote. So actually, when we read this phrase, his hand is stretched out still, it's indicating that, you know, the Lord's, the, the Lord's um, put, well, when we say punishments, I suppose withdrawal of his blessings is continuing. That when we look out in the world and we see the wickedness, then yes, you know, the, the, the hand of the Lord, his, his blessings on, on all of mankind is certainly not seeming to help mankind. There seems to be worse and worse um, consequences because of the choices that mankind has made. Um, and so these things will continue. And it just helps us to understand further that the Lord is not happy with the, the, the state of the world as it is. Uh, it continues further down in the know why, quote, one important lesson to be drawn from this is to realise how easy it can be to misunderstand a particular phrase of scripture. As with Nephi's people, modern readers often struggle to correctly read the ancient scriptures, not knowing enough concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. While today it is easy to understand why people might commonly see the outstretched hand of God as a gesture of blessing, in the ancient world the hand of God was sometimes used in a negative sense as, as it was in this case. This dramatically changes the way God is portrayed in these Isaiah passages. Rather than portraying God as an angry yet still merciful, these verses focus on God in righteous indignation and, and divine wrath. All, and then further down, although these, the, although this expression in, in, in Isaiah and other Isaiah passages do not does not convey God's mercy as simple and immediate, plenty of other passages of Scripture, especially the Book of Mormon, stress the ultimate mercy and pervading compassion of the Lord. Other prophets use similar imagery to depict a merciful embrace of the Lord, but in those cases, a different idiom is used, namely that of extending the arms of His love. Close quote. So whilst uh, the, the phrase of hand outstretched still is important to recognize that it doesn't mean what, I mean, certainly I and many others that I've spoken to thought it did. And I think that um, I'll come back to why that's important to recognize. Obviously, what we're not saying is God is this just uh, indignant, wrathful God that does not have mercy. There are plenty of passages in the scriptures in the Book of Mormon and other places where we see that mercy, those arms of love extended and encircled around us constantly. And that, so that is something that we need to still recognize is still the case, despite these verses being a bit different in meaning. It is important for us to be able to know what these verses mean, because if we then teach others and testify to others that his hand being outstretched means that he's always merciful despite him being in anger, then those that understand the context will, will question and say, well, that doesn't make sense. So we have to be understanding and aware and, and have an awareness of what these verses actually mean. Anyway, if you are interested to read more of it, then the full uh, explanation and uh, kind of research behind that, it is no why number 49, why is the Lord's hand out stretched out still? The Lord will still call for us. And actually, in verse 26, we see straight away an example of this. It says, And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far, and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. The Lord hissing in this verse is him calling or whispering out to the ends of the earth to bring gathered Israel in. And, he, and this is again where we see his mercy. 
So I'm grateful uh, for the understanding that we have of Isaiah and how we, when we read deep, more deeply, we can actually get more of an idea of a context uh, of, the, of the ancient world and the prophecies that were given of Isaiah then. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the study today and found something useful. If there is a, I mean, we've kind of got through to the end of, of the Isaiah and we've obviously not covered it all in the week. There's just no, not enough time. But I hope that you've learned something. And if you have, please share it at, um, at Matt S. Roberts 90 on Twitter or email me at uh, ldsstudiesession at gmail.com. Or of course, the, the best way to share something would be uh, to share it with others as well. And so please join us on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ uh, Study Session. Uh, with Come Follow Me. Appreciate your time and until we meet again.